the series we're doing just introduced last week called Uniquely You. And the idea is that everyone is made unique, made special. And today I want to talk to you about finding your purpose in life. And obviously your purpose in life has to be connected to how you were made. And why you were made is connected because if you understand that you were made a certain way for a certain reason, that can give you so much fulfillment in life if you find and pursue that versus pursuing and trying to be some, someone that you were not meant to be. So Psalm 139, we read last week. I'll just review for us. It'll, it'll help us to sort of cement this in. It says that uh, I praise you because I am fearfully and what? Wonderfully made. All right? Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. So we're trying to get to the spot where we can accept, accept that God's made us unique. And a lot of people have a hard time accepting that. You're just different from someone else. And if you accept it, then you can move along to other things, but you have to begin with accepting it. And let me just say, a lot of people struggle with accepting who God made them to be. The sooner, the sooner you get to this one, the better, because you're going to spend so much time wasted and stressed energy trying to do or be someone that you're not. Who heard this growing up? You can be whatever you want to be. Should we really be saying that to people? We really should not be teaching this. You can... I understand the spirit behind it. You're trying to encourage people. You go ahead. You can do it. If you put your mind to it, you can do whatever you want to do. Is this true? No, it's a god-awful lie. Think about it. Give me, let me just give you one example. Michael Jordan, relatively talented athlete, decides he wants to be a baseball player. And what does he do? Well, a lot better than I do at baseball, but he can't even make the what? He can't make the bigs. Why? Because you can't. Did he, was he a dedicated athlete? Oh, my goodness. Was he hardworking? Yes, 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 yes. Check all the boxes. Here it is. Ready? I'll settle it for you. You can't be whatever you want to be. You learned it at church. <laughs> but... You might absolutely love your life if you figure out what God made you to be and you pursue that. You might find yourself in a whole new situation. It's just not good to spend your whole life chasing after something that God never intended. To start with just accepting God made me different. Different isn't bad. To accept who you are, you have to accept who you are not. That's important. I'm not this. I'm not that. I'm never going to be this. And that's okay. So you begin with checking off a box. I'm not this. Isaiah says this, you know, the potter, you have the potter and the clay, right? And the clay does not say to the potter, why did you make me this way? The clay is molded into the, 
into the hands of the potter. And so what you understand is that God has molded you and made you and shaped you. And if you're going to find your purpose in life, you are going to have to understand that God made you this particular way for a reason. In other words, if you're going to get to what's my purpose, you need to understand, first of all, how God made you. You start to appreciate that you think of things, look at things differently than other people. That's okay. You will start to realize that there's a reason. There's a reason why maybe you weren't good at school. I, I know this isn't helpful always for parents and all that, but the reality is some kids aren't good at school. I just say this openly. They're not good at it. I'm not saying you encourage them to be lazy. I'm just saying, let's just be, can we be honest for like two minutes here? Some kids are not good at school. You have one? And, and, and you say, well, it's because, no, they just, they aren't. They, they're, they're, and a lot of kids, they don't go to college. And a lot of kids drop out here. And it doesn't mean that they're bad people, but sometimes people, the way their brain works is different. And science is learning that they, they, what they call multiple intelligences, that someone else learns this way, and someone else may learn this way, and someone else may learn visually, and other people learn by doing with their hands. And they're all amazing and gifted by God. And so what we should start to do is accept. Paul said it this way. We're all a different part of the body. You know, some of you are a finger. Some of you are an elbow. Some of you are a nose. Some of you are an ear. And the first thing you should do if you're an ear is try to see better. Of course not. First thing you should do as an ear is, is try, stop trying to see. Just, just accept this is what I'm not. I'm not an eyeball. I'm this part. And this part has a very important role or function to play. And if you begin to understand that, then all of a sudden the passion can come alive for you. The Apostle Paul, to me, just... Um, shows us so much about what a life full of purpose and passion can be. So I want to read to you from Acts, and this is Paul talking about his life, how he saw his life and his role in the world. And in Acts 20, he says, um, verse 22, Now I'm compelled by the Spirit. I'm going to Jerusalem. So he's, he's kind of in his travels, and he's feeling this, inner compulsion to go to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. So Paul knows that he's headed somewhere and it's going to be difficult, but he feels he needs to go there anyway. This is so important, this part. He's facing difficulty, but he needs to go there anyway. Sadly, I think one of the things that we've inadvertently taught a generation is we've taught them that the purpose of life is to avoid hardship, avoid suffering. Here's a way around it. Think about it. Paul knows hardship is coming. He knows suffering is coming, and he feels compelled to go anyway. Here's something that might help. Instead of saying you can be whatever you want to be, we could say to our kids, life is hard. Very hard. 
No, we didn't teach this to our kids. <laughs> or did we just, uh, you can be whatever you want to be, and when you wake up, the sun will always be shining, and people will always get out of your way. You just look at me, sit them down. At some point, you sit them down, and you just, is this important? Why? Because otherwise, they're, they're going to, wa- someday they're going to wake up. They're going to have a rude, rude awakening. Life is very challenging. And the more you screw up your own life, the more challenging it is. In other words, you can make it worse for yourself. True? So life's hard. It's challenging. But this is what Paul says. However, I consider my life nothing to me. He goes, in other words, if I don't finish this race, finish this task that God's given me, it doesn't even matter. In other words, I don't want to spend my life avoiding suffering. I don't care about the suffering because I have something to live for. I have something to do. This is clutch. How many people do you know in life, if they have something to live for, they don't care what they have to live through? I don't care what I have to live through. I have something to live for. Did anyone, I mean, does it alarm anyone else? The second lead, it used to be, I could be wrong, you can send me an email, but it used to be the second leading cause of death among teenagers in America was suicide. Shouldn't we be rattling ourselves? If, if a teenager who has everything in front of them and going for them and the world wide open to them the second reason is they check out. Does that speak of purpose? Does that speak that we've been giving these young kids something to live for and tell them like, Paul, I don't care what I suffer. I don't care what I go through. I don't care who talks bad about me. None of that matters because I have a gift to give to the world. I'm not seeing enough of that. I'm seeing... This person's going to hurt me. I don't want to suffer here. I shouldn't suffer there. Paul goes, I don't care about any of that. That's not a problem for me. You ever met a person on a mission before? Huh? You ever met a man on a, you ever met a woman on a mission? You ever met a person with purpose? They don't care. They know they're going to face obstacles. They know there's going to be one after another. They know it's going to be tough, but they know what they're supposed to do with their life. Paul said, I have to finish the race, complete the task that Jesus gave to me of testifying of his grace. He knew it. This is what what I'm supposed to do. Now, I won't tell you falsely that this is just easy to figure out and you wake up one day and all of a sudden it's crystal clear. But I will tell you this. If you decide First of all, that your life does have purpose. And you may not understand all of it, but it does have purpose and that God put you here for a reason and you are going to do whatever it takes to figure that out. That's a good place to start. And you will stumble towards it. Who here has stumbled towards your purpose in life? You know, you know, you know what they say. Most people, they go to school for things that never end up doing. Why? Because we don't know what we're doing. This is this true? It's, you just start stumbling, but that's okay. Stumble towards it. Just keep moving and stumble. And that, Okay, well, that's not it. That's okay. Keep stumbling forward. Even that is purpose. That's purpose because you're figuring it out. But if we give the message that the main thing is just to avoid hardship, 
Hardship's coming anyway. Am I close or are you guys sleeping or what? Can you turn the lights up as high as you can get them? Because I got to see. If you, I want to look in the whites of their eyes. Think? Because otherwise, well, then when hardship comes, they don't, they don't know what to do. And, and say, oh, yeah, I knew hardship was coming, but I have something to live for. I have a gift to give to the world. There's a reason that I'm here. Earlier in his speech, Paul, a couple chapters earlier in Acts chapter 17, Paul's in Athens at Mars Hill, and he's trying to explain God to these people who don't have a concept the way that Paul did of God. And he says, in his speech, he says, you know, from one man, he made every nation of men. From one, he made all. (laughs) That they should inhabit the whole earth. And it says this, and he marked out and appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. In other words, this is what he's saying. There's a time and a place. They were born at the right time, and they were born in the right place. Not only, we talked about the DNA last week of how God made you special and unique, but God put you here, here. And he put you here now. There's a reason that you're here right now. The world needs The world needs the gift that you have to give it. And if you start to believe that, it will change you. You will not primarily see yourself as a consumer. By the way, what a depressing idea. Again, something we're raising, I think, unfortunately, we're raising a generation to believe that they're to consume. You will see yourself primarily as a contributor. Now, I, do you have to consume in, in order to contribute? Yeah, I got to eat a little, right? Anybody got to eat? Anybody hungry now? Right, we're getting there. We're getting there. You got to eat. You got to consume a little bit so that you can give, right? So if you think back to Paul's example of the body, right, some nutrition is going to have to flow to this hand so that this hand can do its job. So yes, it needs to consume, but it needs to consume so that it can do its primary thing of what? Contributing. If you woke up every day, we're not teaching this enough. Your main thing is to contribute. You have a contribution to make. You have a gift to give. Too much much entitlement, too much of that, it's, it's a bad thing. Because then, then they don't realize that the whole reason of this hand is just not so it can just consume. This, this was given for a very specific purpose. Your, your life, God, it may not be, and it doesn't have to be some big thing. It doesn't mean you, you need to win a Nobel Prize. It just means your life is here to give, to to. The greater good, maybe your family, maybe your friends, maybe your job, maybe all the above. But Paul had this, like a laser, like a radar lock on his purpose. And then if you do that, it makes all the difficulty of life so much easier. Life's hard enough. 
But if you have a purpose every morning, you can get up. Hmm? I, I got a reason to get up today. I got to give my, I got to do my thing. And if you don't, it makes it a lot harder to get out of bed. I'm not, I'm not sure why I'm here. I'm not sure if, 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 if I matter. I think one of the unintended consequences of raising a generation apart from God is this. Because when they start to see their life, they, don't, they can't anchor it to any higher purpose. And so if they go off in school, and as long as everything's going good and they're making lots of money and they go keep climbing the ladder, they, they just you can get caught up in that, and that can feel good for a long, long time. But when, you, when the first rung comes out from underneath you, and it, it's not about that anymore, then all of a sudden you go, wait a minute, what's the reason that I'm here? Your life has a purpose. If you can figure out their purpose you can start to appreciate the way God made you. And then you can start to give your gift. <laughs> this is what I was thinking about this morning. I think about Paul. To me, Paul was aggressive. You ever met an aggressive person? I'm not talking about annoyingly aggressive, although he could have been annoying. I don't really know. But aggressive. Paul, Paul woke up every morning like foaming at the mouth. Read his language, the kind of stuff that he said. He was like, this is something that I have to do. But we don't have enough of that. There's not enough passion because there's not enough purpose. If you can connect your purpose to God and understand that God put me here, there's a reason, and I need to give this gift, then something like a fire ignites on the inside of you. And then the stuff that comes against you, it's incidental. It's hard, it's difficult, it's challenging, but it's nothing that you fear. You're going you're gonna to be amazed. You start to think about this. I went through a list of people who had a hard time accepting. Just accepting. I mean... Do you think, like, if you were Michael Jordan, you could just accept that you're the greatest basketball player to ever walk the planet and that'd be enough? Or do you, no, I got to be a baseball player. Do you see how pervasive this is? I was reading this week about Will Chamberlain, uh, uh, perhaps, you know, some people would argue another one of the greatest basketball players. And this is what Will Chamberlain figured out. He figured out that he was so good and dominant inside that they were going to foul him, make him shoot free throws. In our day, it was called hack-a-shack. Remember, any basketball players? It's called hack-a-shack, right? Make Shaquille shoot at the line instead of giving him a dunk inside. And they, the, the odds were better. So, so Wilt Chamberlain figured out if he shot granny style, he was much better underhand, right? Now, I don't know, guys and gals who play ball up there, it's not cool to shoot granny style. Let's just be honest. It's not cool. But no one can block it. There's no one in your way. You're just standing at the line. You got, and it's nice. You got two hands. It's nice and fluid and much better percentage. And you know what Will Chamberlain said? One of the greatest regrets of his life was that he caved to pressure. He could have been dominant if he would have just stuck with granny style. Huh? He wanted to be like, what? Everybody else. 
Look at here. Just do granny style, man. Huh? Do your thing granny style. It don't matter. Just, just do it. It's okay. Whatever God gave you the ability to do and the thing to do, you don't change it because of somebody else. Uh, Vicky was playing a clip this week for me, and it was Kevin Costner speaking at Whitney Houston's funeral, and they became very good friends. And can you, can you figure this? Whitney Houston, he said, struggled to know if she was pretty enough and if she could sing good enough. Something's wrong with giving the wrong message. We need to get the message that the psalmist said, I'm wonderfully made. By the way, this has nothing to do with bragging. This has nothing to do with putting that on your, your Facebook feed. I'm wonderfully made. This has something to do with putting in your soul. Because if you can say it to yourself, that's all that matters. Because you believe it then. Sometimes when we're saying it out here, we believe it less, I think. I think when we're saying it here, we really believe it. I'm wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. And God put you here today. There's a reason that you're here today. That's worth thinking about. This is your time right here. You don't need to worry about anything else. We don't need to worry about the good old days or what's coming down. You need to worry about right now. This is your time. God wanted you here for a reason. I also think this could change our world. What if everyone woke up with a sense of purpose about why they're here? I mean, you're driving down the street, and you, you, you knew the person across over here, they had a sense of purpose. And the guy that you were working with, he, he worked, but he, he knew his life had purpose. And the people in your neighborhood, they knew that their life had purpose. Think of what this would do. Paul says at the end, 2 Timothy, he says, my life's being poured out like a drink offering. I fought the good fight. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. Therefore, there is a crown waiting for me. He knew this was what it was all about, to run the race that God had given him to run. Do you remember, you remember the story of Peter and John and the end of John's gospel? And they're always... The disciples are always comparing themselves to one another, you know? And Jesus is talking to one of the disciples, and the other one's speaking up, and he says, well, what about him? And Jesus says, look, if, if I want him to remain alive, what's that to you? What's that to you? That's a good thing to get in your head. Don't worry about somebody else. This will free you from the tyranny of comparing yourself to somebody else. And it will save our world all of the strife and arguing. Can I, one more thing that's free since we're here and you want to say this to the kids or the next generation? Ready? Life is not fair. Stop telling them it's fair. It's not fair. Is this, is this helpful? Were you better when you woke up to this? 
Or are you still mad about it? I mean, because some of you still are. You just walk around. And you, what do you do? You walk around angry. It's not fair. Life isn't fair. Now, should we try to make it fairer? Absolutely. Don't, let's not make it worse, right? Don't be a part of the problem. But it's not fair. So if you walk around, you're like, well, this person got this, and I didn't get this. Who cares? All right? Just don't be mad at me because you're a parent. Some of you are parents. And if you have more than one kid, did you treat them fairly? No. You tried. Huh? Yeah. I know it was perfectly fairly. No, because one kid hit another kid and you weren't looking. In other words, was it fair? Relatively so, but no. I mean, one kid got away with some stuff. Did one kid get away with some stuff? Yeah, they got away with it. And it just doesn't work out that way. That's not how life... So you learn somewhere. Life isn't fair. Life isn't like that. But it doesn't matter because you have a purpose for your life. You'll stop wasting and complaining. And then here's the last thing. We're going to close. Look, the great excuses that we make. We make all these excuses. I'm not this enough. I'm not that enough. Jeremiah says, Jeremiah chapter 1, he goes, I'm, I, I'm, just, I'm just a child. I can't do that. Moses says, I don't speak well. Remember Moses? I, I'm not good at that. Fine. Get your brother. Let's just get this thing done. Are you with me? Shouldn't we, shouldn't we teach, shouldn't we stop making excuses all the time? And just think, you know what? God put me here. God put me here. I'm, I might not be this. I might not be that. But I can do the thing that God put me here to do. That's for sure. If it has something to do Ready? If it has something to do with giving your gift, you're stumbling in the right direction. And you will, this, you'll stumble over here. That's fine. No one gets it perfect. But what it does do is it gives you a sense of purpose every single day of your life. Every single day, I have a gift to give. There's a reason that God put me here. There's a reason that he put me here now. There's a reason I'm in this place. One of the things that we suffer from is um, opportunity overload, I'll call it. You know what opportunity overload is? It's like ordering at Einstein bagels. What? There's like 700 kinds of bagels here. I got... Anybody ever walk in there? That's just the bagels. We haven't got to the cream cheeses yet. Well, there's 400 kinds. Dear God, just give me plain and plain. You know what I mean? By the time you walk, I just need to simplify this. So in life, we have opportunity overload. Well, what, what if I, I could go to this universe? I could move here. I could live here. Think about just think about this. Probably two, if I have to say, three generations ago, that was not a thing. Here's your opportunity. Ah, feed the pigs, right? Here's your opportunity. Am I close? Do, do any of you do any of you talk to your grandparents or anything? Am I close? This is an opportunity. opportunity. Uh, it was, the opportunity was the back of your shirt, right? And where someone drug you and they put you. Was that a horrible thing? Because I think we, the way we teach now, that was a horrible thing. I don't think so. 
I don't think so. I think they knew what to do, whether they liked it or not, and then they figured it out. Now you got these kids, they sit there and they just they fret and you go to their, their graduations and they're just in knots and chains. I don't know if I'm doing the right, should I go here, should I go there? Just do the thing that's in front of you, right? And this is what we're suffering from. Well, if I go here, I might miss out on this. And I might, if I go here, I might miss out on that. And I got a whiteboard that's six feet long on what school they should go to. And it was a gift to get grabbed by the back of your shirt and get thrown in with the pigs. Here's the thing that you're supposed to do until you do something else. In other words, how do you get to your purpose? You wake up tomorrow. And you don't sit around and go, what should I do? I got to find my purpose. That's not what I'm preaching. Is anybody with me? That's not what I'm preaching. I don't know my purpose yet, so I better just sit. No. <laughs> no. You, the right, he, God determined the times and the places. You're here, right? You get up. You go to work. The, whatever job you have, if you don't have a job, start walking down the street and find the first place that's hiring Oh, man, I'm not, I'm, no one's going to ever listen to this message again. <clears throat> but we're suffering. No, no, we are suffering because of it. Because these kids are going around like, no, I don't want that job. I don't want that job. I don't want. Dear God, you're 14. You know what I mean? Like, are they 18? No, I don't want that job. I don't want. Just take that job and do that job and kill it, right? And you'll figure it out. I'm close. There's something there if you take it, but a lot of you aren't taking it in, but that's okay. Otherwise, this is what we're teaching. You sit around and wait for your, your perfect path to open up. Is anybody here on a perfect path? Because I'd love to meet you. You're just, you're just on a path. And you understand that that path has purpose. Not perfection, but purpose. And there's bumps and there's struggles, and there's things you don't understand. It's all a part of it. I'll close with this. When, when Jesus reinstates Peter, if you remember the story of Peter, he denies Christ three times, and so Jesus has to, has to get him back in the game, right? And he says, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Do you love me? Yes. And every time he says, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, go do that thing, go give that gift. What's he doing? He's reminding him, just go do that thing that's right in front of you. Just go do it. Don't beat yourself up anymore. Don't overthink it. Just do that thing that's right in front of you. The purpose begins, ready, today. It doesn't begin when you sit around, all of a sudden a bright light hits you. If that happens, good for you. Write a book and do it. But for the most of us, it just begins what? Today. I'm gonna, but today, I live with purpose. With purpose. I have to give my gift. 